0: Two point nine ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Well, happy now for our ESPN Roundtable, and it's been a common theme: the current state of college athletics in the state of Montana, and the potential future of athletics in the state of Montana. Kent Haslam, University of Montana Athletic Director, kind enough to join us last week, so we figure we better get the other side of the story, Montana State Athletic Director Leon Costello now joins us for our ESPN Roundtable. And uh, we will have some similar talking points, but certainly some different perspective, because while both schools are in the state of Montana, uh, different challenges at each, but also different uh, perspectives on what the future might hold. So, Leon, thanks so much for being here, man. How you doing?
2: great thanks for uh thanks for having me happy spring finally and uh, trying to enjoy uh some of this great weather we have right
0: now well before we uh, get into all these uh financials and numbers and uh revenue streams and all that stuff i just got to ask you about the, the track team because montana state tracker field sending 10 athletes to the ncaa west regionals that's going on right now as we speak uh, but all eyes are going to be on Friday night when Duncan Hamilton runs in that steeplechase semifinal. Uh, but a, a bunch of great athletes. And uh, we've talked about it on the show a lot. You know, sometimes, especially at schools that have such great football and basketball programs, track can take a back seat. But that has not been the case at Montana State. And I just think that some of these track kids have been such great uh, avenues for you guys, not only as uh, just champions in the big sky, but also getting you tons of publicity across the state. I mean, shoot, we should just name our Treasure State stars after Duncan Hamilton. He's on there every single week. So what have you thought of just sort of the prominence of the track program there at Montana State has risen to?
2: Well, it's been been incredible. And and obviously when I got here, having Dale Kennedy, uh, the legend that he is, uh, be the head coach and then be able to... Uh, when he retired, transitioned that to Lyle Weese, who has had been here a long time as well. I think that continuity really helped um, helped continue to build the program. And I, I know Lyle had some, um, you know, different philosophies on how he wanted to set, set some things up. But uh, I think to your point, both coaches um, really used the state of Montana and athletes in the state of Montana. And I think track and field is one. Um, where they can have immediate success, uh, you know, in the conference and really across the country. And, you know, we're really seeing that uh, as you mentioned with Duncan Hamilton, but, you know, Lucy Corbett uh, has been so good. I mean, we've got multiple um, student athletes that are, that are on the national stage. And uh, to see, you know, you get double digits to qualify for regionals Um, last year, I think we had 17, they had five ended up qualifying for nationals. Uh, You know, we're hopeful to get, you know, a similar number and, you know, to really have a, a realistic shot to win a national championship, an individual national championship, uh, does a lot. And uh, so we're excited about this week. Yeah, events kick off today, and uh, we'll be watching and streaming all week and seeing how we do.
0: Well, it is so cool, especially when you think of, you know, three of these uh, young people are from Bozeman. I mean, they're from Bozeman High School and Camilla Noe and Duncan Hamilton and Lucy Corbett. So it really is cool. And you you can find nationally uh, elite athletes uh, right there in their backyard. Leon Costello joining us here uh, on is Now ESPN Radio. Uh, Let's talk just about the the state of affairs at Montana State when it relates to college athletics. Before we get into some of the, the details of it all. Uh, What do you think of the current state of affairs there at MSU and also sort of your standing in the Big Sky Conference? What do you think are some of the the advantages and disadvantages the Bobcats have right now in the current uh, existence in the Big Sky?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the conference as a whole is just really strong. And I think we saw all of the ADs, all of the SWAs, uh, presidents really come together over COVID. And, you know, we spent a lot of time together on phone calls, on Zooms, uh, really keeping everybody in, in tune with what was going on. And, and we've seen that continue. We don't meet as frequently as we did during that time. Um, but I do think the relationships that we developed have remained. And I do think we've been able to accomplish a lot of things. You know, this past year we, we passed, uh, or approved a new strategic plan. Um, uh, and we're working on things to continually improve, um, the big sky conference and, and us as individual institutions. And so I think, I think from that standpoint, uh, the conference is really strong. We got great conference leadership, obviously starting with Tom Wisterstill um, leading the charge and they they got a great staff there that are helping us. We're seeing what they're doing on social media, all those things help member institutions. And so from that standpoint, uh, really, really strong. And, you know, and I think we fit obviously with our location and, and where we are in the region, we fit really well. I think the biggest challenge is, you know, as strong as the Big Sky Conference is, we are still spread out over eight states, and so For travel, sure. even though it's getting easier travel-wise, in you know, in Bozeman because of there's more direct flight in and out of Bozeman, it's still tough. Um, it's tough on the on the teams, on the student athletes, uh, to to get the, to where they want to go, especially during you know, like a basketball season when you're playing. Uh, Thursday, Saturday night, and getting to where you need to go, that, that is a challenge. And, I mean, one is getting to where you need to go, but then the costs just continue to rise. Um, you know, whether you're talking about hotels or food or just simple, you know, airplane tickets or, you know, even charter buses, uh, you know, th- those costs are becoming, uh, you know, a problem uh, for us. But, um, you know, I think we've, we've known that and we've seen that. We've been able to manage that. Um, but I think for me, that would be you know probably one of the one of the biggest challenges um, just with the uh, the nature of how spread out our our conference is. Well,
0: that was one thing I definitely wanted to ask you about. is it, sort of both sides of the coin when it comes to the cost of living and, and the cost of traveling to Montana. I'm sure that teams from the big sky are saying the same thing. Hey, when we got to go to Montana, when we might go to Bozeman and Missoula. That's more expensive than it's ever been. But then you guys have to sort of strategize those costs as well, because, you know, just getting an apartment or, you know, just living in Bozeman for a student athlete is a lot more expensive as well. So uh, how has the cost of living sort of affected uh, your guys' strategies there at Montana state?
2: Well, I, I would say that is probably, if it's not number one, it's one a, as far as, one of our biggest challenges uh, within our department. And one of the reasons is as we try to attract the best talent uh, into our department and, and really on campus, uh, but if you're talking about a coach, it doesn't matter if it's a head coach, an assistant coach, um, an entry-level position, a middle management type position, um, everybody has to have a, a place to, to live. And, and I think everybody wants to, when they go and take a job, they they want a job where they they feel and know that they can accomplish their goals and continue to grow within their career. And I think we do a really good job of uh, enabling uh, our employees to be able to do that. But, you know, in order to, to do that, they have to feel comfortable with where they are. And obviously everybody loves coming to the state of Montana and Bozeman in particular to live because there's so many things to do. But the one stressor is, you know, how can I afford to live there? And so, Um, you know, we try to get as creative as we possibly can when we are attracting new talent, but that's, I mean, that's the number one conversation we have when we're making any new hire is, um, is finding a place to live and the cost of living.
0: It is amazing. I mean, and I'm sure you, I, I didn't even think of that. I, mean, I was thinking more of the student athlete perspective, but from an employee perspective, that's probably even big, bigger challenge because, you know, the athletic department jobs, what they pay, a lot of them uh, are sort of predetermined, especially just based on uh, your, your overall budget, which we'll get to in a second. So uh, that in itself is, is probably challenging because uh, once what was once probably a, a great paying job in Bozeman at the Montana State Athletic Department, probably not as much anymore, only just because of uh, the cost of living in town, right?
2: Without a doubt. And and you hit, yeah. I mean, I didn't even touch on the student athletes. I mean, I think we hear more now, you know, after, you know, they they live on campus their first year, but then after that, they're off campus and we have more conversations in the spring about rents going up and changing and and certain things happening. We got, you know, different private properties that are selling and then, you know, those, those tenants have to move out. And so we have a ton of those conversations in the spring now more than ever. Um, just because of the movement of the real estate market uh, in Bozeman. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's not lost on us. And, you know, I, we're doing okay, but, we're, you know, we're still looking for, you know, kind of that magic wand to, to really help all of our, you know, student athletes be able to live comfortably, but then all of our employees be able to, to, be able to feel like they can live and grow in this community and at this job. Um, that's been a, it's been a big challenge. Leon
0: Costello joined us. He is the athletic director at Montana State University. And uh, we are having a conversation all about just the state of affairs in college athletics when it pertains to Bozeman, MSU, the Big Sky Conference, and Division One athletics as a whole. Uh, Leon, I want to dive into some of the numbers here because uh, one thing that I, I have always uh, been fascinated by, and one thing that I think is so important from uh, the the role of a sports journalist, is is just the the covering of the economics of all this. Because at the end of the day, it is a you know state institution with a lot of state. Uh, paying jobs and uh, a lot of taxpayer money that goes into it. I know. I know people love both the state schools here in Montana and they love the athletic departments as well. But then I also think that there's uh, sort of a misperception out there, just in terms of uh, the way revenue is generated, but also uh, the way budgets are made and, and the way money is spent. Because you know, you guys at Montana State, for example, in football. Have had an unbelievable run these last handful of years, and you and your staff and everybody there deserves a ton of credit for that. Selling the stadium out more than hundred percent capacity, pretty much every game. I mean, Bobcat Stadium's capacity is seventeen seven seven seven, and you guys are averaging eighteen thousand plus. So you're one of the only schools in the world that's uh, averaging over a hundred percent. Yet that that doesn't necessarily mean that the coffers are just completely flush with cash because there's a lot of different ways that the budget is built. So uh, d- to start there broadly, what are the biggest challenges to to building the budget at Montana State, and how much pressure does come with uh, the revenue model you guys currently operate under?
2: Yeah, yeah I think, uh, well, one, we have we have a superstar in Tice Goosens who is our um, chief financial officer here in the athletic department. Uh, he's my deputy athletic director for internal operations. And, um, you know, we meet every two weeks just to talk about the budget and where we are, you know, updates, trends, things that are going on. Um, he's the one that really kind of sets the tone and has a lot of information from years past. And so, you know, we start off with, you know, a history. We kind of know, uh, in a normal year, you know, ticket sales, donations, you know, things like that. You try to account for, you know, what could happen, uh, in a great year or what could happen, you know, if, if the, all the wins you are expecting don't happen. And so he, he's got a, a lot of that, uh, information for us. but. You know, I think for us, that what's maybe the hardest is, you know, we generate about fifty five percent of our annual operating budget in athletics. We we generate that ourselves, and so what I mean by that is, you know, ticket sales, sponsorships, donations, you know, events, things like that that we put on ourselves. We generate that uh, over fifty five percent of that of our annual you know, operating budget from those means, and um, you know, I think. You know the hardest part is to expect that every year. Um, but I also think if um, if our teams are competitive and are, are doing what they should be doing in competition, and um, we're engaging with our fans, and, and fans um, are still thinking of us the way they that you know they want, and are still attending things, I you know I think there's a lot of that that you can kind of depend on. But you know I it's it's scary to assume that we're gonna you know we're gonna have that every year, and so. I think our operations is that we work very hard um, to be as competitive as we possibly can. So people are buying tickets and uh, that you know, they're paying their Bobcat club dues. Their uh, local companies are, are still purchasing sponsorships to support us. And when those things are happening um, you know, I feel like we're in really, really good shape, but um, it is scary to think that, you know, over half of your budget are coming from those sources that could not be there from year to year. And so, uh, I, yeah, that's probably the one thing that sticks with us, sticks with us the most um, when we're developing a budget. Um, but like I said before, I, I think the history that we have built um, from year to year, you know, we can kind of assume a few things, but we can't assume everything.
0: Leo Castello here on our ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls. He's the athletic director at Montana State University and uh, we were talking, Leon, uh, uh, we've been talking about this a lot on the show, actually, just because the 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 grand scape of college athletics has shifted so much and that's not going to stop anytime soon. And uh, for better or worse, I think some people don't like it. Some people hate it. Some people are ambivalent to it. But. There's an enormous business side to this. I mean, you are running a multimillion-dollar business there at Montana State. And uh, so then you look at sort of the business climate that exists within the Big Sky Conference, and you look at Montana State and Montana, who uh, are more self-sufficient. They are producing way more of their own revenue. They're drawing the least number of student athletic fees, the least number of state money. But then you look at the, the schools across the league – and the amount of subsidization, subsidization excuse me, that's happening, you know, whether it's UC Davis or Sacramento State or Northern Arizona, uh, it's profound and, and it's nowhere close to equitable compared to what the Montana schools are getting. Uh, so there's sort of a dichotomy here. But I mean, what do you think of sort of that disparity and how, how much does that sort of accentuate uh, your your challenges in building a budget every year, but also staying competitive budget-wise in the big sky?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it, it's interesting. And I think, you know, if you look at, any school throughout the country, no school, two schools are, are made similar, uh, or made alike, you know, it's it, everybody has their, their differences, their inequalities. And I think if you look from every conference in the country, they deal with, you know, similar situations, such as what you're describing. And, and so, you know, for us, I feel we have a great story to tell. And I, you know, for me to be able to go, you know, here this last month, it's always fun at the end of each semester we go and, and meet with faculty Senate or, you know, when we meet with donors and we talk about um, how the department's going, other people on campus. And we, we tell them that we generate 55% of our annual operating budget. And then we compare that to whether it's our conference peers or SDS uh, peers or one triple a peers, and we show them how well we are doing. That tells a really, really good story—an internal story for us—and um, we want to be good stewards of the dollars that we receive. And you know, we want our student athletes to to do well in the classroom and 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 to do well in competition and to make make our fans proud. And I think we do a really great job of that. Um, you know, we want to continue to grow as well as you know, we'll look at our priorities and like some of the facilities here we've done recently. But we're also you know, renovating some of the smaller spaces, support areas within the field house now that football is in the Bobcat athletic complex. But, you know, we're not talking about, you know, 25, 30, $50 million projects. Every time we go out there, we're just trying to make things better uh, for the student athletes. And I think for me, it's about, you know, telling that story. And I think that's really why our fans and our alumni and the people that live in this, in the state that support the Bobcats really, are engaged with us because I think we do things the right way and, um, you know, our student athletes develop the right way. And then when they get to see them perform, um, and get the results, I mean, it's, it's a great story. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, equation when you, when you lay it out like that, but I also think it's not unique to really any conference, um, in the country, whether you're talking FCS, FBI, you know, autonomy five, they they always are going to deal with some inequalities in some way, shape or form. And I think what we have to do is find the best way to make ourselves the best. And uh, we're just going to look internally to see, Hey, how can we continue to raise the bar for Montana state? Um, You know, whether that's financially, whether that's competitively um, you know, that's our challenge of ourselves. And uh, you know, I think, our, fam- or our, our employees, our coaches, our support staff are all on the same page to trying to make the best experience we can for our student-athletes to try and produce the best results uh, in competition. And so uh, that's kind of where our focus is at. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to continue to work to make sure that we are competitive, whether you're talking about a budget um, per sport or overall budget or different mechanisms on how we how we uh, take care of our, our student-athletes. We want to make sure that we are at the top of those lists, so they're getting everything that they possibly can, can want and need to accomplish their goals.
0: ESPN Roundtable here on Nuanas Now, on ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television around the state of Montana and on the ESPN MT app. Leon Costello joining us, Montana State Athletic Director. And we've been talking about just sort of the, the shifting of college football and the shifting of college sports in general because there's been so much of that talk coming out of the pandemic, coming into all these different factors that have influenced it, whether it's the privatization of the college football playoff or the potential realignment or, or the pending realignment of certain conferences with you know Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC and and USC and UCLA probably going to the Big 10 and the way that the dominoes are all going to fall and I know no one can predict the future nobody has a a um, Uh, nobody can see what's going to come, but my, my basic take is not necessarily Montana state and Montana have to move up. I I don't think that's necessarily realistic in this current state of affairs. Also, where do you move up to my basic take though has been, you gotta be ready, uh, and positioned well for when the dominoes fall. So uh, what's your take on that? I mean, obviously the the wide world of college football is moving rapidly and uh, the dominoes are already falling. Where does Montana State fit into that?
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's kind of what I just said previously in an answer and, and kind of what you have just asked is I think everything we do is we have to take, we just have to uh, focus on ourselves and we have to be the best version of Montana State Bobcats as we can be. And and I think over the last seven years, what we've done is we've really focused on personnel and providing support for the student athletes that are here uh, to be able to develop into the best versions of themselves and to be able to compete at the highest level. And so, you know, we've hired more academic staff, more athletic training staff, you know, we've got a mental health clinician that's right here on our staff. We've got a nutritionist, two fueling stations, uh, more academic staff. I mean, we, so we put those pieces in place to, to really help the student athlete and really focus on the things they need to at the time that they need to. And, um, you know, by building the BAC, we've, we've increased time in the, in the field house for student athletes to get workouts in or to see the doctors or to, you know, to rehab, all of those things have really helped us and, um, you know, from there, it's, it's then focusing on on those results. And um, by increasing our results, you know, hopefully that translates into more ticket sales, more sponsorships, more donations like we talked about before. And, you know, I think if we can take an internal look at ourselves and continue to pinpoint what are those priorities and what are those things that we need to be as successful as we can and try and go accomplish those, that's going to help us the most with, whatever's going on outside of these walls. And, you know, I think if we're the best version of, of MSU that we can be, then the sky's the limit for, for where for where we end up being. Now, I say that knowing that, you know, right now the big sky is, is by far the best place for us to be. Uh, I think we compete very well. And when you're in a conference and you're competing, you want to win. And I think uh, with what we've built here, we're going to be competitive in this conference in every sport. And I think that's another thing. That I'm focused on is, you know, this isn't just a, a football or a, a men's or women's basketball school. I want all of our sports and all of our student athletes in those sports to have success, and so we want broad-based success. And you can't do that without the foundation that I just talked about. And and so whatever whatever we're going to compete in, we want to win. And so I, I think it's more an, an internal focus on making us kind of that best version that we can be, and continuing continuing to expand maybe what we offer to our student-athletes to make their experience better, whether that be, you know, facilities or resources or food or travel or things like that. Um, We're going to continue to focus on those things to to make it as good as we can for our current student-athletes.
0: Just one hypothetical question, because I told you I wanted to talk mostly about the here and now. And I, by the way, I love what you just said about wanting all the sports to be competitive. I, I it really bothers me sometimes when you have schools that uh, prioritize just football, for example, and and then just you know have these other sports that don't get any attention, don't get any resources. So I love that you guys are are prioritizing that. But at the end of the day, that the primary football, or excuse me, the primary uh, revenue generator in the state of Montana for both MSU and Montana is going to be football, and and that's a great thing. Um, but the number one argument I've heard from in moving to a different conference or moving up to a different level of football would be, well, you wouldn't be as competitive, you wouldn't be competing for a national championship, and maybe that would then hinder that revenue stream. I fundamentally disagree. I think if the if there was a reallocation or a real, uh, sort of a reorganization of uh, schools in the West, I think people would be incredibly interested in that. And I also think that Montana State could be successful uh, pretty much right away. So, I mean... Where do you weigh that in terms of just sort of planning the the near future? Uh, is there any uh, apprehension if if you were to go somewhere else that uh, maybe revenue would be impacted by competition? Or, or do you feel like Montana State could be competitive no matter where you're at? If, like you're saying, you, you are kind of the best version of yourselves?
2: I think, you're, I think that last part is spot on. I think, um, you know, no matter who we're playing, we want to be competitive and we want to set ourselves up to be competitive. When we put together a football schedule... Um, yes, there are some guarantee games, but there are also some guaranteed games that we set up that we feel like we should go and win. And um, I I think that's going to be the case in everything that we do. And, um, you know, we've got obviously our our schools in this conference right now. uh, We feel we are very competitive. We feel we can compete with a a lot, if not most, of the the teams that are in this region. Um, But that, like you said, that all starts real – really internally and and making sure that we 've got the things that we need to one attract the student athletes that we need to attract in order to be competitive at, you know at this level or whatever level, but also attract the coaches and attract the donors to you know to help us with you know new facilities or new things that you know that we might need and so yeah it 's all about all about being competitive and it 's all about winning championships and it really starts with conference championships and being part of a conference where you can go in each game and say, you know, you have a chance and should win a game um, and at the end of the year win a conference championships, which then sets you you up to play on the national stage. And, again, that's one of the things I want all of our student-athletes, when they leave Montana State, it doesn't matter if you're a track athlete, a tennis athlete, a football athlete, that you've got you've had a chance to compete for a national championship, and at this level, that means you have to win your conference championship in order to, you know, to move on. In all sports except, you know, except football, where uh, we can get at-large bids uh, as of right now, we hope we're hopeful that you know basketball can get there where we get multiple bids, but we're just not we're not there yet. But that's my kind of my underlying goal for all of our student athletes is to be able to say. You know, they they competed and won a conference championship. They competed then on a national stage in a national tournament. And when you have that, I think that's kind of a capping experience for for a lot of our student-athletes. And I think there are some of our sports that are at a different level right now. Expectations are higher than doing that once in a a particular student-athlete's college career. Um, But if you're doing that, then you're setting yourself up to be competitive with whoever you play. And, uh, again, I think it just goes back – to what we've talked about before is making us the best version of ourselves that we can be to, 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 to be competitive with wherever we are.
0: Leon Castillo, ESPN Roundtable here on Nuanas. Now, last two things for you, Leon. Uh, first of all, we've been talking for more than 20 minutes and we haven't even talked about all the crazy other things that are going on in college athletics, whether it's the one-time transfer rule or the extended eligibility because of the pandemic or name image and likeness, the coaching carousel, uh, all of these things have uh, hit very close to home at Montana state and pretty much every school in the conference. So um, how have you guys got about sort of managing this, uh, what has been uh, a whirlwind couple years in D1 college athletics?
2: Oh. Uh... Our hair's on fire, Coulter. I mean, it's... uh, All the time. It never ends, right? No, and I think you wake up every day, and there's something different. You know, something's happening. And, you know, I've got a lot of good buddies that are um, in the coaching world, whether it be football or, or, you know, high-level basketball. And the conversations have just changed. And when you're talking to a recruit, it's not about, you know the major or that you, that you offer or it's not about, you know, what's the experience like on campus? I, you know, a lot of times the first question is how much can I get, you know? And, and that is just so far beyond where we have been even five years ago. But I look back 20 some years ago when I was in college, I mean, it just, we've come so far. Uh, and I do think there's, there's a little bit of, of that that is, um, is warranted, right? I do feel, you know, we, we, we are at a stage where your tuition or your scholarship was tuition fees, room, board, and books. Well, that cost of attendance piece that we added, you know, eight to 10 years ago, I, th- I thought was a great step. You know, it was a way to give, you know, put a little extra money in student-athletes' um, pockets to be able to go, you know, pay for some of the incidental costs that they're, that they're going to have. Um, yeah, I completely understood that. Um, my, my biggest issue right now with NILs there are no parameters. There are different laws for different states and we're all operating on different rules. And, um, as we've talked about, we're trying to deal with our financial challenges of, um, of working within what we have. And then you throw this onto it. And with NIL, for me, you know, the same people that buy our tickets, that give it that purchase sponsorships that donate to us are more than likely going to be the same ones that would partake in any NIL deals. And the last thing we want is, you know, we, we don't want an area to rob from Peter to pay Paul. And our hope is that we can grow all areas and that the support we receive from those other areas don't diminish because somebody is interested in supporting a student athlete in NIL. You know, I, I want our student athletes to be able to achieve and, and, and everything that they can and Um, obviously we have some student athletes that their, their name image and likeness is very valuable and I want them to be able to do that, but I also don't want that to erode, you know, the support that we give broad based to all of our student athletes. And so we're working really hard on how to educate, um, our fans and our donors on why it's important to maintain what you're doing, you know, kind of in these three buckets. And if you want to, come in and support NIL, make that on top of what you're currently doing. And so a lot of conversations have focused on, on just that, on educating them on kind of where their money goes and how we use it and then how they can really have the biggest impact with something like an NIL, uh, that fits within the framework of, of kind of our structure. And so, yeah, I mean, that has changed dramatically. A lot more conversations there, you know, the, the transfer portal, you know, for me is it's crazy because, you know, my hope in again, education goes a long ways is that our student athletes look at all the numbers of student athletes that are going into the portal per sport. And what's the percentage of those individuals that are actually finding a home when they're in the portal. And, you know, so we all feel sometimes the grass is greener other places, but, uh, the numbers don't lie. And, um, there's a lot of times when student athletes go in there, they don't find a home and then, and then they're, they're left with, with nothing. And so, Um, you know, it's a continual education process. Um, you know, it's there for them, but also, you know, my hope is um, that they're getting advised or getting advice from somewhere that it, that it's advice that they can uh, count on, because there are a lot of things that can be advantageous to them, but I think there are a lot of cons, um, in that world as well. And so, um, again, trying to just keep up and, and educate as many people as we can with where we currently are, but at the end of the day, I think we need some, some formality to um, all 50 states having the same rules and having us all play by the uh, in the same parameters and in the, on the same field because as of right now, it just feels like we're um, in Never Never Land and there, there's really no end in sight. But I, I do have some confidence with the change in NCAA leadership that we're going to be able to, uh, to put some guardrails around what we're doing and get to a, a better place, which hopefully – down the road leads to a good place
0: well from our perspective it's it's endlessly fascinating for sure Uh, i don't envy you for having to deal with all the hectic nature of it but you guys are doing a hell of a job and uh, we appreciate you for breaking all of it down leon Castello, the athletic director at montana state here uh, on new now leon i know you're a busy guy thanks so much for taking some time for us today and a great conversation thanks for being here
2: you got it thanks Coulter.
0: If you haven't listened to the Kent Haslam uh, sort of version of that same conversation, you should. I think it's interesting, the parallels and also the differences between both Montana and Montana State. It's certainly a uh, rapidly changing, confusing, chaotic, but in some ways, uh, I don't know if inspiring is the right word, but in some ways, uh, there's a lot of optimism, but there's also just a lot of change that could happen, and change is always a good thing, so... We'll see. We'll see how how everything settles into place. But certainly the dominoes falling around college sports. So there's a look inside Montana State athletics. You want to find the interview with Kent Hazel, Montana athletic director. You find that on the nuanas Now podcast as well. Conference finals and the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll break it down next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. So pretty much, if you uh, reside in South Beach and you're an eight seed, you got a pretty good chance uh, in the playoffs right now. Welcome back, Nuana's now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Time now for our Stanley Cup uh, playoffs uh, segment that we do each week here. Mike Anderson in studio with us. He's the co-head coach of the Grizz hockey team and has been kind enough to join us weekly uh, to break down all things Stanley Cup playoffs. It's presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. You want to try the best wings in Missoula? They got them. We'll send you there. We got a dozen wings for you. If you call us right now, call number 4406-888-1029. That's 888 Last night in the NBA playoffs, it was a who's who sitting courtside in Miami. Derek Jeter was there. Alex Rodriguez was there. Brooks Kepka, the uh, recent uh, recently crowned champion of the PGA Championship, was there. And Kepka was wearing a Florida Panthers jersey so certainly he was uh pandering to the crowd but uh, it's fascinating the Miami Heat were an eight seed and they are one win away from the NBA finals and the Florida Panthers are an eight seed and they are one win from the NBA finals as well uh that game uh set to begin here tonight actually right after the show's over about six o'clock against the uh the Carolina Hurricanes what's up man how you doing I'm well how are you doing good Uh, so here we are it's been uh Really fun Stanley Cup playoffs and really fun NBA playoffs. So then we got to the conference finals and the, the last series haven't been very fun, right? Like the Golden Knights <laughs> after their four nothing win over the stars last night, they're up three nothing in that series, and the Panthers go for
1: a sweep in the in the series tonight. I hope that the Hurricanes come back and make a series, but I Hope so deeply that the stars get swept so much so much, especially after their their crap they pulled last night so tell me about this i, I did
0: not watch the oh, game yeah. last night. I saw it was a pretty much just a blowout, three goals in the first period for for Vegas, and then yeah. they just cruised after that, yeah
1: Ottinger didn't have his best game, uh who's the Dallas goalie, and then like three minutes in, Dallas's captain Jamie Ben runs into Mark Stone, Vegas captain, yeah, and Stone falls. And Ben decides it's a great time to cross check him in the neck, and then Whoa. shove his head into the ice after he cross checked him. Whoa! He only gets two games for it. You should go on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. You'll see it. It's one of the most, the more gruesome things I've seen. Dirty. Super deliberate. Yeah. Like you could see him go. Oh, I'm gonna cross check him in the neck right now, and just comes full down on the guy. And then his press conference today says. I, sh- I didn't mean to fall on him and use my stick as a land, use his neck as a landing spot. Oh boy. So no accountability taken. No. Yeah. I lost it and made a bad choice. So I just hope they're done. Their fans started throwing stuff on the ice after another player on their team, car a guy in the neck again, just a different scenario and tried to start a-, a brouhaha to get momentum back as they do in the NHL. And he got, a- he got a misconduct too. And the fans started throwing beer and trash on the ice and, just a real solid uh, showing for the Dallas Stars, which just goes back to their roots of Norm Green being a scuzzball as well. Mike's Taking from them Minnesota. out of Minnesota to Dallas.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mike's from Minnesota, so he so, knows the old glory days of the Minnesota yeah. North Stars and then the departure
1: to Dallas, so I understand yeah. the An organization word. founded on a lack of accountability and responsibility. It shows again. I hope <laughs> they get swept. I'm done with them. I hate them. <laughs> As an organization, has some great players, but I just I can't stand them. The other series tonight, is, I don't know what happened to Carolina. I think it's one of those things where you might see... Carolina's big favorite coming into the series, Big favorite, right? and they've played well, underlying numbers-wise. Sure. They're not getting the bounces right now. Yeah. So it's a matter of, do they continue to not get them, or all of a sudden, is this a 3-2 to two series in the next four days because all of a sudden, they're getting all the bounces, and Florida's not. So I could see this going 6 Games. I think Florida will eventually win it, but it's just been a weird series. Florida has everything going their way right now, including, as you mentioned, in the NBA. Um, but I don't know. I really hope Carolina makes this series because they're a better team for sure. New is now,
0: a Wing It Wednesday, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Appreciate them. Uh, if you need a place to watch hockey, go head on down to the Despo there on Russell Street. I, I just watched this cross check that you're referring to. Isn't that insane? Uh, that's uh, he only got two games for that. Two games. Uh, that's like probably worth a, a, a season that's out of half a season. Two years in
1: <laughs> for, prison. Like that's for, for insane. Sure. And the NHL really needs to figure out their cross checking issue. It it's like the only level you really see it. Like you watch college hockey, there's not a lot of cross checking. You watch our level of hockey, there's not a lot of cross checking. The NHL, it is every moment someone's getting. Cross-checked in their ribs or neck or head, or and it's just out of control, and they need to, just like they did 506 after the lockout, they really stopped all the grabbing and clutching. They need to do it with cross-checking. It's it's absurd and it's super dangerous. Stone could be dead. For sure,
0: if you if you have the stomach for it, you can go watch it. It's it's bad. Stone's
1: all right. The guy who got hit, ended up staying in the game. Before. Yeah. My God. Yeah, it's uh, hockey's
0: a violence sport for sure, but that's an excessive level uh, of violence. Mike Anderson, by the way, co-head coach of the Grizz hockey team, uh, in studio with us. Uh, it, it's funny because the, the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs will always have uh, parallel narratives. This is because they're always happening at the same time. It's seven-game series, but there's also such differences in them. In the NBA, if one team goes up three nothing, the series is over. It's yeah. over. It's it, it, never yeah. happened, right? No one's uh, ever. I, I think come it's back happened one it. time ever in the history of basketball. It's happened in the NHL, uh, not a, not a lot, but it's yeah. happened before, right? Yeah, so
1: it wouldn't be unprecedented.
0: Carolina is not dead in the water at this exact moment.
1: No, and especially if you look at as I was saying earlier, like who's controlling shot attempts, who's controlling scoring chances, all those things that in the game like hockey eventually flow your way. It's just that in a seven-game series, if they're not for three or four games all of a sudden you're swept or you're out. So I hope they do. I hope they, things start to go their way a little bit. I think they're a, a better skilled team, a deeper team, more deserving, if you will, in quotes, sure. winning a cup. But yeah. Florida's had a hell of a run. They're fun to watch. It's a I like. I don't like Matthew Kachuk, but I think he's good for the game. I think he's an interesting yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's having fun outwardly. Like, this is supposed to be fun. We're all sure. enjoying it. So I really like that about Florida. Um, but... We'll see. The
0: uh, I always tease about this, but the the folks in Miami, not just basketball and hockey, but across the board, when the teams are good, the fans are awesome, and there's they just come out in full force. Like the Dolphins haven't been good in like 15 years, but this last year they were kind of good, and the the crowds were awesome. The Heat. Right before the playoffs, there was nobody showing up to heat games. Then they won one play-in game, and all of a sudden, they're out in full force. And then last night, now they're in the Eastern Guards Finals, every famous person in the world is a sitting courtside. Is it the similar dynamic for the for the Panthers?
1: How the the crowds been there? Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> they there are been, no crowds. There's no crowds. No crowds, usually. Um, yeah. They've been good for like three or four years. Right. Um, they don't get a lot of big crowds. They're, they're lower on the attendance scale. And that's fine. I think people look at it as, oh, it's not working. It's not working. I just think. Most NHL teams don't sell out every game, sure, and but everyone does for playoffs. So that's right. like the big goal is to make the playoffs, and every year half the teams do. So it's not like it's impossible task to do that. So I, don't know, I think Florida. It's interesting. I don't know why I just thought of this, but you said the Dolphins. Yeah. You know like how Pittsburgh has all the same colors for every team? Yeah, yeah. Miami should do that with the Dolphins colors because the colors are sick. They are sick. That'd be so <laughs> cool in like a hockey jersey or an even NBA jersey. That Just way <laughs> off topic. I think that'd be really cool.
0: The, the Hurricanes can uh, come back and win this series if what?
1: If they stop hitting pipes. Yeah. And things start going. Yeah. I think, and if they panic. If they panic and think, well, we have to do this all at once, right? You can only win one game at a time. They just right? gotta yep. it just got to take a shift at, like I say, in our lock and for good hockey at a time, shift by shift, moment by moment. If they do that and they stay confident in their game and in their process, then I think they have a chance. Um, but as we talked about the very first segment, NHL and hockey in general, it's it's a crapshoot. You don't, right? You don't really know. I think I saw this thing that said like 52 percent of the time the favorite team wins in the playoffs. Which I guess is more than more than half, but it's not that much. Yeah, not as much as you would yeah, think. Yeah, so no, no, totally. You just, you just no, no. What makes it exciting? But to me, it doesn't always give you the best team. It's just the, it's just an exciting thing to follow.
0: Uh, how about the in the other series? Then I mean, did, did the Stars have any hope, or
1: is, is Vegas going to go back to the Stanley Cup Finals? <sighs> I'm trying to take off my bias. <laughs> To hate for year, the stars is my hard. My disdain is so strong, <laughs> but um, I think they have a shot. They're going to be without Ben, which for most teams, losing your captain would be a big deal. But right. Ben's a bit of a. I think he had 33 goals this year, a little bit of revival. But the past four or five years, he's been pretty, pretty bad to be honest. So I don't think he's a huge loss. He's not one of their top top guys. Like if they lost Hints or Robertson or Hreskinen or Ottinger and Net, now they're really in trouble. But losing Ben is—it's not great, but we'll see. I think I don't think they have a chance because because three O is so hard, and Vegas is playing well. Vegas is in control versus the, the other series where like Florida's getting bounces. Vegas is just like this is their series. Vegas is is the the. The team that was expected to be the go the farthest of
0: all, of these teams that are left, they're the best yeah. one, right? Yeah, for like sure. Like if, if they were in the Stanley Cup finals and won the Stanley Cup, that would not be as nearly uh crazy as like if, if
1: the if, Florida won yeah, it. Yeah, if Florida won it, it'd be nuts. But not if you picked at the beginning of the year because they were the President's trophy team last year. Right. So they had a very strange year. They bring it in the playoffs. And then they made a huge trade in the offseason for Matthew Kachok, got rid of some guys. So no one really knew exactly what they were getting with Florida this year. But, yeah, I think Vegas Vegas is interesting because as an expansion team fan, yeah. when the Wild came in, yeah. it was us and Columbus drafting. Right. So we got bottom of the barrel. The draft rules were different. And it's been 20 years, and we've made past the second round once. Right. Vegas comes in, and they get – pick anybody where they change the rules and make it way more favorable to the expansion teams and it's paying off for them, but to an expansion team fan, (laughs) it's very frustrating to say, well, I mean, they've done a great job of building that roster and they've done a few shady things on the contract side that people weren't super stoked about, but they're there to win a cup. That's been their goal from the very beginning and they've made one Stanley Cup final already, and about to be two. It's it's pretty remarkable in six years or whatever it's been.
0: By the time we come back next Wednesday, we will almost certainly have a Stanley Cup final set. The Panthers and the Hurricanes uh, play tonight. Carolina's got to win if they want to extend the series. is up 3 nothing, and uh, Vegas, they went up 3 nothing over the Dallas Stars last night. Uh, game four of that one uh, will take place uh, later on this week as well, Thursday uh, on ESPN as well, 6 p.m. So uh, we'll see if the series can get extended, but uh, if not, we might be talking Stanley Cup Finals next week. Mike Anderson, Grizz, hockey co-head coach in studio uh, with us. It's our Wing It Wednesday, Stanley Cup playoff
1: style. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, for sure. And if you're around Sunday night or Monday night, Twelve to two. We're having a little five and five scrimmage at our prospect camp. Nice. Come check it out. Uh, it will be fun
0: down there at the Glacier Ice Rink. Those little Oh one. After so many years of winning, the last uh, so many wins over the last couple of years, uh, we will talk about their uh, game two of a six game set against the Billings Mustangs. Next, keep it here. No one is now ESPN Radio. One two three. One. is now on ESPN Radio. As you just heard during the break there, one of the great restaurants, one of the most delicious dining experiences you will have in the Garden City, the Iron Grizz, is back open. For those that have been confused, the Iron Grizz, uh, it's part of UM Dining Services. So because of student employees that work there, uh, they need to get everybody on campus and take care of on campus first during the school year, and then they're going to have... Uh, Just seasonal availability now During the summer So they're open now through the summer So go check them out Iron Grizz there at the University of Montana Golf Course We'll be giving you gift cards to the Iron Grizz Starting next week But they are back open I've been getting a lot of questions about that So Iron Grizz uh, right there at the base of Mountain Sentinel Back open here in Missoula New on us now, ESPN Radio SWX Montana Television And the ESPN MT app Appreciate you for kicking it with us Here on your Wednesday Missed anything in today's show? Uh, another jam-packed show for you. We heard from uh, Holly Sutil, who is uh, going to run the 400-meter hurdles at the NCAA West Regional Track Championships tomorrow for the Grizz. We also heard from Trevor Subith and Grace Hood of the Missoula Big Sky softball team. Gave you the lay of the land for prep softball tournaments and prep track tournaments uh, at the state championship level coming up this weekend. Heard from Leon Costello as part of our ESPN roundtable talking all things Montana State and Big Sky Conference athletics. And we heard from Mike Anderson, the head coach of the Grizz hockey team, as well as our go-to guy when it comes to breaking down the Stanley Cup playoffs. All of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M-Store, And the MSU bookstore. A moving target tomorrow in terms of what we're going to have on the show. Still trying to solidify a few different guests, but we will have Carolyn, the chicken doesn't know sports. We will have um, some of our top high school track and field athletes to watch as well. Plus, we'll have plenty more. The Missoula Paddlehead season is underway. They play the second game of a six game set in Billings tonight. So we will roll into that coverage. A little bit before 7 o'clock, the first pitch a little bit after 7 o'clock from Dealer Park there uh, in the Magic City. has lost 6-5 last night. We'll see if they can get back on the winning side of things. Jeff Safford will be on the call tonight and all summer long. We'll see you tomorrow here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio.